Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. This is segment three with Tom Glavin of the Atlanta Braves here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Greg Maddox was an amazing pitcher. He never went over like 100 pitches in some games and had, you know, went into like the seventh and eighth inning. Um, what was it about him? Did you take, did you steal from him and say, hey, you know, he's doing this and we talked about this and we need to do that? Or, you know, did you ever sit there and watch and just go, wow, I can't believe he's pitching this guy so well? And, and, and did you ever break it down with him in that regard? Um, you know, sure. I mean, we talked a lot, obviously. And, and you know, I, I observed a lot. Uh, I mean, look, we had similar styles of pitching. Uh, so I would, I would gain much more watching him than I would gain watching Smoltzy. Um, you know, I didn't throw, 90, I don't want to tell John that. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. Well, I didn't throw, I didn't throw 95 and have a wipeout slider. So if yeah. that's how John was pitching somebody that really didn't help me. Right. Um, so Greg, Greg and I were similar, obviously, um, changing speeds and locating. We, we both relied on that. Now, Greg did it to an extraordinary level. Um, you know, like you said, I think that the thing that amazed me the most about him in that run of, of four Cy Young awards that he had was his consistency. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I always felt like there was going to be a handful of times that I went out on the mound and it, it just didn't matter. I just, I was going to get beat and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to have a good game and I could know what I was doing wrong and I just couldn't fix it. It's just a human, you, the human element of playing sports. Some days it's just not your day. For a four year stretch, Greg didn't do that. You know, if he went out and gave up two runs, it was like, oh my God, what just happened? You know, so his his level of consistency during that four year run was just off the charts um, and his efficiency, you know, going out there and doing it, whether it was seven, eight, nine innings and doing it, you know, with 90 or 100 pitches. Um, it's just again, it, it's a lost art in today's game. But, um, you know, he, he was it was a ton of fun to watch. And, and again, I think, you know, with Greg, one thing I, I really learned with him um, you know, this, obviously the consistency factor that you, that you marvel at, but you know, when you, I think the thing he was so good at was with, with left-handed hitters, he had that little comeback sinker that he would start at the hitter's elbow that would come back over the plate for a strike. He had that cutter that he would start on the inside corner and it would run in on their hands. And then he had the changeup that he could throw that started in the same spot as his fastball. So he essentially, it's what we refer to as tunneling your pitches. So he, he on the inside corner to a righty or to a lefty, he would have that fastball that would start at an elbow and go over the plate. He would have the cutter that would start at the elbow and come in on the hands. He would have the changeup that would start on the elbow and then sink to the plate. So as a hitter, you're seeing every pitch coming somewhere at your elbow. You don't know if it's going to sink. Sinker, you don't know yeah. if it's coming in or you don't know if it's a changeup. So how do you guard against that? Right. And, and to me, at that stage of my career, I, I didn't, I did that a little bit on the outside to a righty um, with my sinker and my changeup. But it was really in watching that, that I really started to kind of get fascinated with how can I add that to my game? And I started to add it with fastballs in and changeups into righties. And then I started backdooring my curveball to, to righty. So I had that sinker, changeup, backdoor curveball, you know, not to, to the same extent that Greg could do it, but it gave me that ability to be able to tunnel pitches on both sides of the plate that makes it really hard for a hitter. You know, if you've got a, if as a hitter, if you have to guard against movement and change of speeds, it's really hard. And, and I think the better pitchers are able to kind of do that 
you know, I just watched Jake DeGrom pitch last night against the Braves. Same thing, 100-mile-an-hour fastball in on a lefty, then he's got that cutter that he goes in on their hands that they swing over the top of, and then he's got a changeup that he can throw there too. I mean, you talk about impossible to decipher what a guy's doing. That, that's, that's the art of pitching, and that, again, was, was some of the things that I learned talking and observing Greg. Does he, did he practice that? Did he go out like onto like the, the pitcher's mound and like, you know, the bullpen and say, you know, I'm going to work on this. I want to work on that pitch. I want to work on this pitch. You know, did, did Leo Mazzoni, who was your pitching coach, really break that down with you guys and say, we want to work on these pitches. I want to work on this. Or did Greg on his own just go out with the, with the catcher and say, catch me for a half hour. I want to work on the following things. I think we all did it on our own. Um, but I think Leo, Leo was the driving force behind all of us. Um, understanding and buying into the importance of fastball command, particularly down and away to a hitter. Uh, that was our foundation. If we could locate the fastball down and away to any hitter, then we, we had a significant advantage. And, and that was what we worked on more than anything else was that fastball command down and away. Now, Leo was <clears throat> really, really instrumental for me in changing my routine, you know, I would, I think major league baseball, baseball in general, the, you know, kind of the, the standard way of doing things was you would pitch, you'd take a day off, you'd throw a long bullpen, you'd take two days off and you pitch. Leo really kind of got us to buy into throwing two bullpens in between starts. And, you know, the theory behind it was, you know, rather than throw one marathon session, throw two lighter sessions at less effort and learn how to manipulate the ball at, at less effort. Um, Cause if you can manipulate the ball at 60 or 70% effort level, it becomes really easy to do the same thing when you're out there in a game. Um, and we kind of all bought into that. So we did, you know, we would throw two bullpens in between starts and do all that stuff. But I think it was, again, it was fastball command first and foremost, and then it was, you know, we'd work on our, our secondary pitch. You know, for me, it was, I wanted to make sure I had my changeup where I wanted it. Uh, curveball slider came along accordingly, depending on if I was facing somebody that matched up better with one pitch or the other, you know, a Barry Bonds or a Tony mm -hmm. Gwynn or somebody like that. Um, but for the most part, it was fastball changeup command, both sides of the plate, spin a few breaking balls. Okay, that's it. Let's go. Greg was the same way. Um, it wasn't uncommon, though, for Greg. I would, you know, Sometimes later in his career, when he didn't want to maybe throw two, two times in between starts, it wasn't uncommon. I'd see him out in the outfield and where you have the padding on the outfield walls, they had the crease that was in between and he would be out there and he would get a ball and he'd go through his windup and he'd try to throw it and stick it in the crease. That was his bullpen sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, <And> so, <laughs> you know, it's just, to each his own, whatever worked, but for him, it was all about, you know, just, again, I don't necessarily, he didn't need to necessarily feel that cutter spin, that curveball spin. If, you know, he wanted that release point on his fastball and if he had it, everything was good. So we adapted over the years and did some things, but, um, you know, again, I think our, our, our mentality in our bullpens was established fastball command every time we got on the mound. And if we were able to do that, then, then things were going to generally work out. Let's get into pitching and how you prep for a game. Um, let's say your day comes up and you're going to pitch. What's a typical day like for you or, or was for you when you pitched? What, did you, what was your routine that you went through? It, you know what, it changed over the years. But let's say, you know, early in my career, 
when I pitch, well, it's funny. I'll, let me say this first. Early in my career, you didn't do much. You know, I remember when I got called up to Atlanta, they gave me a tour of the clubhouse. They showed me the weight room and then said, stay out of there. That, that was the mentality. You know, yeah. the joke then in the late eighties was you'd spend all winter to get in shape. So you could go to spring training and get out of shape. Cause once the season started, you didn't touch weights. That was, that was like, no, no, don't do that. Um, obviously time, time evolved. And, you know, we learned how to have more of a maintenance program during the season without not doing anything. So, you know, that became a bigger part of it. So <clears throat> I would say early in my career, it was, I would pitch, I would do a long distance run the day after I pitched to kind of flush a little bit. Uh, then I would do some kind of, you know, a workout, I would call it my heavier workout because I would work out twice in between starts. So my first workout, which would be my third, my second day was the heavier of the two workouts, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, and I would uh, throw a bullpen that day. Next day would be a lighter workout and maybe a uh, interval run or something like that. Um, play catch the next day and then pitch. And that was kind of my routine. Leo comes along now, you know, everything stays the same other than I add a, a second bullpen in between starts. And then, you know, then it becomes, as you get older and you get into it, then it becomes a little bit more paying attention to your body. Um, I became more of a workout, less cardio because, you know, you start having knee problems or you have this or you have that. So, you know, getting on a treadmill and running, pounding your knees, maybe not the best thing to do. Um, so that evolved to where, you know, instead of running the day after I pitched, that was my heavy lift day. Uh, and then the second day was some kind of cardio, whether it was a bike, you know, riding the bike or uh, a shorter distance run with a walk or whatever to kind of protect something that was hurting. Um, then have that second lighter workout day and a second bullpen play catch and pitch. So I was, <clears throat> I was always doing something um, in between starts. Like I said, I would, I would not sit here today and tell you, I was the hardest working guy in baseball, but I don't think anybody followed their plan more than I did. I mean, I was like, I was laser focus. I was really anal about it. I mean, to the, almost to the OCD aspect, right? Like if I, <laughs> if I didn't do something I was supposed to do in between starts, then I, I was convinced, um, you know, maybe it's my, my Catholic guilt that I grew up with. But <laughs> if, I, if I didn't do something, then I was going to have a bad game and there was just no two ways about it. So um, I was, I was really diligent with what I did. Now, day of game, you're, you're, let's say you're a few hours out from pitching. Um, do you sit down with your catcher? Do you sit down with your manager? Do you sit down and, and you talk about the lineup that night that's going to come out? And do you discuss, do you discuss each pitcher, or each situation that's coming up? Do you, do you break down the game in your head before you get out there? Um, you know what, different teams, different philosophies, right? So when I was with Atlanta, um, we would have our, our meeting as a team to go over the team we were facing, we would get our scouting reports. Um, and then that was kind of it. And when it was your day to pitch, um, you know, you, I might've had a casual conversation with whoever was catching. Um, that was it. And, and you go about your business. Um, when I was with the Mets, um, Rick Peterson was more of a hands-on guy, a video guy. Um, so, you know, while I would watch, you know, because video became a much bigger part of it 
Yes, as time uh, the, marched on, yeah, yeah the whole the world few, became. Yeah, the last few years of my career, uh, video was a big part of my planning for a start. Um, so I would watch video. I would formulate a game plan. Rick would watch video. We would sit down together with the catcher, uh, go over things that we each saw or didn't see, come up with our game plan. And that was that. And, you know, you would pick, you know, we would pick a guy or two in every lineup. Um, you know, Albert Pujols, um, you know, whoever else said, okay, here's how I know I can get him out, but I'm saving that for runner on second base tie game late in the game. You know, if I can get him out somehow differently early in the game, let's try to do that. If I end up giving up a base hit to him early in the game and I can hold on to that for later in the game, then that's, that's a win. I'll take the base hit early knowing mm -hmm. that I've got this in my back pocket uh, for later in the game. So, you know, we would have, we would have those discussions and look, there was always one guy in every lineup that, you know, you didn't want to let beat you. Um, so you were careful with those guys, but um, you know, essentially the same thing, uh, just different ways about, about going about doing it. Mentally. Did you prepare? Did you, did you mentally think the game at all? Or are you just like, I'm going to pitch right now? I didn't, you know, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, early in my career, maybe a little bit more, um, later in my career, when you're married and you have kids, uh, <laughs> it's not like you can tell your kids, Hey, it's game day, go in the other room. I got to mentally prepare. Right. You just, and, and to me, it was, it was kind of a nice distraction, you know, because you could, you could sit there and stew on a start all day long and have yourself, you know, just so anxious by the time you got to the ballpark um, that you were mentally drained already. Um, so that was kind of a nice distraction. I, I tried not to think about it until I was getting in the car, going to the ballpark. And then, you know, it kind of start thinking about the lineup, you know, what I was wanting to do, maybe something, if I'd been struggling with it, um, how my bullpens went in between starts, trying to address it or fix it. Um, thinking mentally about, okay, when I get to the ballpark, here's what I want to do. Here's going to, here's going to be my sequence of events, so to speak. Um, you know, and usually it, it will be, I'd, you do all that stuff. You come to the ballpark, you get dressed and I would go out, take batting practice. Um, and even when, you know, when you're the home team, you take batting practice early. So I would take batting practice. I'd come in and I'd take a nap. I'd sleep for 45 minutes. Um, and then, you know, kind of start the game routine. So, um, there was a method to my madness. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has their own way. Um, getting into a jam in a game, you give up a home run, you shake it off. You have to shake it off and just keep going. To. I mean, I think I did a pretty good job of that because I think there's, if there's one thing people always tell me when they watch me pitch is they couldn't tell if I was winning 10, nothing or losing 10, nothing. And, and that's how I had to pitch. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I think that again, certain situations are harder to do it than others. Um, you know, obviously a big home run late in the game, uh, a little bit harder to shake off um, early in the game. All right, whatever. But I, but I, you have to learn how to do that, right? Because again, it, it's one of those cliches um, in, in baseball and so many other sports. I can't do anything about the pitch that I just threw and the results that happened. All I can control is this next pitch. Uh, and, and, and you have to think that way. I think that one of the hardest things to do early in your career, um, and you hear people talk about it a lot uh, on broadcast, particularly pitchers, for young guys, it's really hard to slow the game down 
Um, and when you get on that mound as a young pitcher and you're, and you're starting to get into a jam and your mind starts to race and everything gets going fast, you're in trouble. Uh, the ability to slow everything down in your mind, not necessarily pace of the game, but to slow the action down in your mind and really think about what you're trying to do. There's no other way to do it than experience it. And, and it's, it's, it takes time to learn how to do that. Um, so I think that, that that was key to me and so many other pitchers that when you get into a jam, you're able to slow that game down and then it becomes a trust factor. Um, you know, it, it, again, another cliche, no matter how much trouble you're in, you're one pitch away from getting out of an inning. Uh, and that's true. Now, the execution of that one pitch is not easy, um, particularly when it's a pressure packed situation. But what separates success from failure in those situations is trust. And, you know, again, I, I always, I don't want to say I always had it, but it was a big part of my game. Um, it certainly came and went during portions of the season, depending on, on how you were feeling and how you were throwing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was that ability to trust yourself. And, and I remember again, another one of those things that just sticks with you, you know, that was kind of Rick Peterson's mantra when I was with him in New York, you know, his thing was always, listen, what you did in the bullpen to prepare for your start was the dress rehearsal. You've done, you get out on that mound and you got the bases loaded. You've, you've made that pitch a thousand times in the bullpen. Just trust yourself to do it. And, and it's true, not easy to do, but that's kind of the mindset you have to have. And, and the more you're able to trust yourself in those situations that, you know what, I put the work in, I practiced this a million times. I can make this pitch The more you can trust yourself, the better chance you have. That was segment three with Tom Glavin of the Atlanta Braves here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Stay tuned for segment four. Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. 